Good morning. It's great to reconnect with everyone once again. Uh, it's just a blessing to be here on this beautiful day and uh, to be able to chat with uh, all of you awesome people. I uh, can't wait until the day that we're able to meet together once again, but until that day comes, uh, you know, we're going to uh, get the Word of God out there. Um, my prayer this morning is that uh, this word encourages you, gives you hope, uh, increases your faith in God, your trust in Him, and that you are able to have a personal encounter, a, a personal experience um, with, that just leaves you knowing without a shadow of a doubt that our God is the God of miracles. Um, and so uh, a couple announcements, just wanted to uh, keep everyone up to date. Um, Yesterday was our men's breakfast, and so uh, that was our first in-person event. It was a uh, good trial run to see sort of how all this is going to work and, uh, you know, how to follow guidelines and whatnot. Uh, we will be meeting on June 1st in the evening, so keep that uh, day in prayer. Uh, myself and the elders are going to be meeting uh, to decide, um, you know, how and when we're going to open and what that may look like. Uh, you know, we want to do it using the Lord's wisdom and in the Lord's timing. Uh, we don't want to get ahead of Him, and we certainly don't want to get behind Him. Uh, we want to do this as soon as we possibly can in a safe way. Uh, we're also, you know, in communication with other churches that have opened already uh, to kind of, well, let's just say learn from their mistakes. Um, so be praying for that continually. Um, but it's just encouraging to be here this morning and to have this opportunity that God has blessed us uh, with the uh, technology and the ability to still stay connected to one another in this way. Um, and so as we uh, move forward here, you know, we're continuing the message series entitled um, God of Miracles. And there is no doubt that God is a miracle worker. I mean, the evidence of it is everywhere. When you look all around us, um, you look at his creation, you see the, 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 hand pr the, uh, the fingerprints of God and his hand at work every day. I mean, every day in our lives, God is doing the miraculous. Um, I just uh, hope and pray that he gives us eyes to see those things and sort of ears to hear what he's doing and, and to see those miracles in our lives and, and acknowledge them for that and give him all the praise and glory that he is so worthy of as a result. Uh, last week we learned some of the sort of foundational basics about miracles. We learned what miracles are. We learned what their purposes are. Um, uh, you know, we, we learned how we should respond to miracles when God does uh, perform them in our lives. And of course, we were also cautioned uh, to, you know, we received a warning about counterfeit miracles and how the enemy works because we don't want anyone to be deceived um, at any time, especially in the body of Christ. And so uh, God's given us his word to know what to look for in the end times and what to be cautious of. And the counterfeit signs, wonders, and miracles are one of those things that we need to be cautious of. We need to make sure we're always pursuing and chasing the worker of miracles and not to the works of miracles. We want to be chasing after God, pursuing him, deepening our relationship with him. And uh, as a result, miracles just happen. Miracles become ordinary, uh, you know, commonplace in our lives. Um, many times throughout the course of our lives, and, and you are, you know, likely feeling that way right now, we end up feeling stuck. You know, and that's something that I, that I wanted to talk about today. I felt like the Lord was really impressing on us to, to learn about when we look at His miracle-working ability. You know, sometimes you just feel stuck in life, though. Your, your heart longs to be someplace else, and yet you feel that you can't possibly get from here to there, or you just don't know how. You don't see a way... To, to get to where you know God is calling you and who you long to be and the place where you uh, really, really feel led to uh, be at in life. 
Uh, it's, it's an overwhelming and really can be a very disheartening feeling, um, you know, when you feel stuck in life. Uh, it, it can, it's for certain one of the, the greatest thieves of hope that exists out there. Because when we feel stuck in life, we get discouraged and we begin to lose heart. Um, we, we end up losing the courage that we need to break free from our stuckness in life. And honestly, you know, more often than not, you end up losing the strength that you need to even continue on where you're at in life. You know, a few days ago, um, you know, God kind of gave me this revelation uh, from something that happened here at the house. Um, you know, Nate was mowing for me, and I love it when he does that. You know, every now and then he gets out there and uh, gets the mowing done for me. But, uh, you know, I'm, I'm working from home, and, and I hear the mower, and it just doesn't sound right, you know? I mean, I just hear it screaming and, and clunking, and it just, something's not right. So I go take a peek out the window, and when I look down directly underneath me from the house, uh, Nate's down there on this this just very short slope but it's enough of a slope that he's got the mower stuck um you know and i, I watched as man he he had the the throttle the rpms all the way up his uh you know the pedal was down to the floor and he's grabbing a hold of it and he's shaking and that thing is just you know spinning its wheels and mud's getting flung everywhere and i mean he's doing everything he can to get out of uh that stuckness however with all the noise and 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 you know all the attempts that he's making he's doing everything he possibly can he's just making no forward progress at all in fact he's digging himself a uh, nice ditch you know digging a rut that he's getting even more stuck in um you know so i went out i tapped him on the shoulder you know because he didn't hear me approaching him and i just reached over and took the uh, throttle all the way down and i'm like all right bud just slowly push on the gas pedal and the tractor climbed right out and he was able to go on and to get everything else accomplished that he needed to that day you know but it's sort of a picture of how a lot of us might be living right now you know you just feel stuck and when you feel stuck, you start feeling like you have to do something. And so you do everything that you can with all your might and all your power and all your strength and all your resources. And you spend yourself trying to get unstuck in life, trying to get ahead, trying to make some progress. And for all the noise and chaos and busyness that's happening in your life, you find that you haven't made any progress, that you're still stuck. And you, you, you feel like um, you just get you worn out, you get frustrated, you just feel like you're going nowhere. You know, and, and even when you take a step forward, um, we know that if we just gave up a little bit at all, if we just let up in life, then we would end up two steps back. You know, Nate felt that way, you know, he was making a little bit of progress up the hill and, and he knew that as soon as he let off the gas that he'd slide back into that rut. You know, sometimes we feel like that in life and it's a frustrating and discouraging place to be. It wears us out. And for absolutely certain, that is not God's plan or destiny for our lives. We were not created to live uh, in that mode. And so I want to uh, encourage you that if you're feeling that way, if you feel stuck in life, or if you feel the pressure of life coming on, like you're just hemmed in from every direction and you feel that pressure and you feel like you just, you can't let up. You just got to keep moving forward. You got to keep pushing on. You know, you just got to do everything in your strength that you can do. There's hope. You don't have to keep doing that. There is a different way. We love and we serve the God of miracles. And our God of miracles, he is a way 
maker. He is able to make a way out of our stuckness where there is no other way, where we could never go on our own. Um, and so now we're going to turn to Exodus 14. And this is probably one of God's best known way maker miracles. That when he made, you know, he, he, he performed this miracle many, many times. You know, they crossed the Jordan several times, um, but this is the best known in Exodus 14. You see, God's people were feeling very stuck much like you may feel like in life right now. Um, in fact, they were literally physically stuck. They were between a couple of mountains, a sea, and they had an army coming down on them hard who were set to literally kill them all. And they were feeling the pressure. They cried out in terror to the Lord. They cried out in anger to Moses. And maybe you feel that way. You know, you start blaming people around you for, for your condition, for being stuck. And you start blaming God. You know, why aren't you doing something? Why aren't you answering my prayers? You know, we start getting angry for all the wrong reasons. So I want to imagine this morning, if that's you, just take time, take a big, deep breath, and just imagine that God is speaking this word of encouragement to you right now. And he says in Exodus 14, verse 13 to 14, do not be afraid. Because isn't that what causes that feeling of anxiety and worry and, and the stress and pressure? Is that we're afraid. We're afraid that we might do something wrong. We're afraid that if we don't do our everything and try our hardest, that we might fail. We're afraid of maybe not measuring up to someone else's standard. There's all these different things that can cause us to, to be afraid, and it causes us to put on this pressure onto ourselves, and we get angry, and we get embittered, and, and all these things that we're not supposed to be. And so God says here, don't be afraid. Stand firm. And you'll see the deliverance of the Lord. He will bring it to you today. The Egyptians that you see today, you'll never see them again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. You know, I'm also reminded of the psalm that says to be still and to know that I am God. How often in life, when we feel stuck, are we, are we stuck just because we won't take a moment to seek after the Lord and to let Him be our defender and to be our warrior and to fight our battles. Sometimes God is just standing there waiting with His arms crossed for you to hand the situation over to Him, that He will go ahead of you. He will fight for you. you know, sometimes we're afraid to even take a Sabbath, to take one day off a week and just look in the Word of God. I think it's Isaiah 63 when, when He talks about fasting and the need for taking that Sabbath, that if, if we would you know, just take a Sabbath, just take a day off, how God would just, um, you know, move on our behalf and just take care of all those things that we're working so hard for. Now, we know in this example that God, the waymaker, went on to miraculously make a way where there was no way for an entire night. You see, we get this picture sometimes that, that God parted the Red Sea, that he kind of parted it for a little bit, held it back, and then it collapsed back in. But, but according to the word of God in Exodus 14, for an entire night, he, he split the sea so that the Israelites, God's people, walked through on dry ground. There's a wall of water to their left, a wall of water to their right. Um, and then after the last watch of the night, the sea collapsed. It didn't kill a single Israelite, but it killed the entire Egyptian army. He did it all as Moses simply stretched out his arm. He just did as God asked him to do, lifted his arm, the sea split, 
And he did as God asked him to do again. He lifted his arm again and the sea collapsed. God was glorified. He was the way maker. The God of miracles worked another miracle. His people were saved. They were delivered. And justice was administered. All in that one miracle where God was a way maker through the Red Sea. So when we're feeling stuck and we're feeling like nothing that we do makes a difference, we can turn to God, the way maker. God is able to make a way where there is no other way. He's able to set our feet on solid ground, even when that ground may uh, not, from a worldly perspective, look so solid. He's able to help us to make forward progress in life and to accomplish all that he has set us to do and and to, uh, you know, arrive at the destiny that he has called us into. God is able to make a way And I love this, even in our sin and rebellion, even if you are stuck in life right now because of your own poor choices, because you did what God told you not to do, or you didn't do what God called you to do, you know, even in our sin and rebellion against God, he is still a way maker. In fact, he often performed a miracle in those circumstances, you know. And we find here, if if you want to turn ahead of me here, I'm going to go to Isaiah 42 and 43. We're going to spend a lot of time there. But we see here that God worked miracles for generation after generation after Israel had been delivered from Egypt. Miracle after miracle, he made way after way for his people to enter into his promises and to take them all. But his people still just didn't get it. They were still hard-hearted. They were still thick-headed. They just did not get it. His people were still set on living their own way and not God's. In fact, they just ignored him and what he had to say. God said this in Isaiah 42, verses 19 to 22. He said, Who is blind but my servant? And who is deaf like the messengers that I send? Who is blind like the one in covenant with me? Blind like the servant of the Lord? You've seen many things, but you pay no attention. Your ears are open, but you don't listen. This is a people who have been plundered and looted. All of these people, they're trapped in pits. Or they're hidden away in prisons. They've become plunder with no one to rescue them. They have been made loot with no one to say, send them back. You see, God is a a worker of miracles and he's doing miracles around us all the time. But too often, even God's own people just don't see them. They just don't pay attention to them. And as a result, they end up stuck. They end up trapped. They end up imprisoned. However you want to look at it and however you want to describe it, they get stuck in life. Even God's very own people. God's people ignored them and as a result, they were in that place. And we can all very easily find ourselves stuck in life. It's very easy to fall into sin and to become sort of, calloused and, you know, kind of indifferent towards the move of God and and the leading of the Spirit. It can happen to all of us. And we've got to be careful not to fall in that place. That's how we get stuck in life. However, praise be to God, though we are so faithless, so fickle, uh, so hot and cold and lukewarm and everything in between, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He never changes. He was a waymaker then, and he's a waymaker now. And he is still wanting 
to make a way for his people, even in their sin and rebellion. He wants to forgive them and move them on out of that place. God is a way maker. He forgives sin. He's slow to anger. He's gracious. He's faithful. He's constant. I mean, he's all these good, good things, and he wants to prove that to you. He wants your life to be a, a living monument and testimony and altar to prove to the world around you that he is all those things. He wants to work through you in your life to work that miracle because he is the way maker. So if you're feeling stuck, don't lose heart. Don't give up. Even if you're stuck as a result of your own poor choices, there is hope. Don't believe the lie anymore that you deserve to be where you're at and, and you've missed out on God's promises and, and you've just sinned too much and he's just done with you. Those are all lies. That is far from the truth. God is able to make a way, no matter where you find yourself, he can get you unstuck and take you right into the center of his plans and purposes for your life. That is what God says to you right here. Isaiah 43, starting in verse one. Just, just kind of pretend that God is just speaking to you personally this morning, no matter how stuck you may feel in life. But now this is what the Lord says. So no matter what you may believe, no matter what everyone around you is saying, no matter what you're thinking about yourself, this is what God says. He who created you and he who formed you, don't fear. I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name and you are mine. When you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they won't sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you won't be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I give Egypt for your ransom, Cush and Seba in your stead. Since you are precious and honored in my sight, and because I love you, I will give people in exchange for you nations in exchange for your life. Do not be afraid, for I'm with you. And this is also what the Lord says in verse 16. He who made a way through the sea and a path through the mighty waters, who drew out the chariots and horses and the army and the reinforcements together, now they lay there, never to rise again, extinguished, snuffed out like a wick. This is what the Lord says in verse 18. Forget it. Forget all the former things. I'm doing a new thing. Don't you see it? I'm making a way in the wilderness. It springs up. Don't you perceive it? I'm making streams in the wasteland. You see, when we're stuck and we call on God... He answers our prayer. He loves you. He cares about you. His heart hurts for where you're at. God is the way maker. And he is able to make a way where there is no other way. And even when you feel the pressures of life and when you see the impossibilities, do you not remember there that what we just read? God intentionally brought the Egyptian army after them. He brought out all of their offensive measures. Not to destroy Israel. That's what they thought at first. And that's what you may think. You may think this is just God's punishment to you in your life, that you deserve this. That's not the case. God allowed that to happen so that he could eliminate that bondage once and for all. So that that bondage could never rise up against his people again. 
And that may be the purpose for why you're stuck in a situation you're in. God has gathered together your enemies. He's gathered together this impossibility just to work a miracle, to prove his great love for you, and to set you free once and for all, never to be bound by this thing again. God is able to make a way where there's no other way. He is the God of miracles. And when we decide to lay down our lives and to take up his plans and purposes for us, well, stuff starts to happen. Good stuff. When God begins to move, however, it doesn't necessarily look like movement from the world's perspective. Um, you know, it doesn't necessarily look like the busyness and the chaos that we create when we try to make things happen. When God begins to move, it's often in a very simple, subtle, and even peaceful way. I mean, think about that. Moses raising his arm, it's all he had to do. And the sea split, and then it collapsed. You know, and, and I think about that analogy with Nate and the mower, you know, um, just like that riding mower analogy, you know, uh, whenever we try to do things on our own, we create all this noise and all this motion and, and we make things feel like they're happening. But when God steps in, you know, when I helped Nate out with that mower, it was quiet, peaceful, subtle, just a gentle push of the pedal. And all of a sudden progress was made, set free from that rut, no longer stuck. And that's sort of what it looks like when God works in our lives, you know, very often. When God moves, it's in quiet, subtle ways, but you can't deny the progress that's made. You're no longer stuck in life. You know, when, um, when God parted the Red Sea, the people simply walked on. And the people transitioned from crying in terror and horror, expecting to die, to singing new praises to God. In fact, if you turn to Exodus chapter 15... It's all a song of praise immediately following their shrieks in terror. You know, that's what God is able to do when God moves. He, he changes our mourning to singing. He changes our wailing to dancing. He, he, he cuts our, he turns our anxiety to joy. God is a way maker and a miracle worker. He is doing a new thing, but do we perceive it? The miracle that got you from point A to point B isn't necessarily the miracle that's going to get you the rest of the way. The miracle that caused um, the Israelites to, uh, to be able to escape their Egyptian bondage and to get, um, you know, forward into their promised land, God didn't do that same miracle to get them, um, you know, to defeat their enemies in the promised land. God very rarely performs the same miracle twice. He very rarely does the same thing the same way twice. You know, in fact, when I've been reading through the scriptures, and you can send me some examples if you find any more, but one of the few examples I can find of a miracle happening twice the same way was when Elijah crossed the Jordan, he struck the Jordan River with his cloak and he passed through on dry ground. And then Elisha, after Elijah had been taken up and Elisha was given that mantle, he turned around and he did the same thing. He struck the, uh, with the, you know, Elijah's cloak, the Jordan River, and he crossed there on dry ground. Aside from that, I could find very, I, I actually couldn't find any other examples of how God performed the same miracle twice. And so um, the key is, keeping a step with the Spirit, following the Holy Spirit's guide within you. That's where you meet the miracle maker and where you experience his hand at work. Um, he's doing a new thing always, but we need to perceive it. Otherwise, we'll stay stuck in life. He's making a way even in our wilderness. Now consider this thought. When God performs a miracle to make a way for us, it may not necessarily mean what we think it does. 
His change, his way change for us, it may not be a physical one, but maybe just a perspective change, just a mental shift of how we're seeing our situation. He may not part the river for us to cross. He may not even direct us to a new job or a new relationship or, um, you know, an, a new school or, or any other significant change in life. When we think of God being a way maker, often that's what we think of, that God's going to, you know, uh, make a way for us to make this huge life decision that's going to change everything. And uh, a lot of times we get stuck because we do that. We jump jobs, we get a new relation, we do all these things that we think are going to get us unstuck, but we find ourselves stuck again. I think that what God is sharing with us this morning is the miracle that he wants to work in your life to get you unstuck. is not necessarily to change your circumstances, but to change your perspective. That there is a miracle happening by that, by just seeing things differently. Um, you may be walking a path and feeling stuck just because you're simply missing the purpose for why God has you there. Um, think about the Israelites following their Egyptian freedom. I mean, they wandered through the wilderness for decades because they were missing the purpose. They just didn't get it. Joshua's generation got it, and they walked into the promises of God. Sometimes we make our journey so long and we feel so stuck just because we're not getting it. We're not understanding it. We're not cooperating with God. We're fighting with God. And that's definitely going to get you stuck every time. God's way for you may even be to rewalk the path that you just came from. Consider this example of a trap and a rut of chaotic busyness and the need for God to, to just quietly make a way, to be a way maker. And we're going to turn to 1 Kings chapter 19. Elijah had just displayed God's power through a miraculous offer-burning showdown between God and the false god Baal. You guys are probably well familiar with that miracle, how God you know, not only licked up the water around everything, but he, he consumed everything, the offering, the stones, the dirt. I mean, he just burned it all up, you know, proving that he truly is the Lord. Um, Following this, Elijah went and he prayed and he ended a drought. The New Testament says it was three and a half years and, and he ended the drought. Another miracle, miracle after miracle after miracle. Elijah was seeing the miraculous uh, hand of God left and right. And he was the one that was actually bringing the miracles. God was using him to display to the nations how real, how authentic, and how powerful God truly is. However, this blows me away. After all those miracles, after, you know, and, and he's on the run and an angel comes and prepares a meal for him and gives him rest and everything. After all those miracles, after that angelic visitation, we find Elijah in a state of fear and in a state of depression. In fact, Elijah is suicidal. We find that he is praying to God that he would just die. He just wanted to die. You know, he just in such a state of depression that he just couldn't take it anymore. He traveled for 40 days and nights running away from a threat from Jezebel that she was going to take his life. And Elijah was running, and he was running to Mount Horeb, the mountain of God. And when he gets there, we find this encounter, 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 9 through 18. And it says, The word of the Lord came to Elijah. What are you doing here, Elijah? Elijah replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. 
The Israelites have rejected your covenant. They've torn down your altars. They've put your prophets to death with the sword. And now I'm the only one left. And now they're trying to kill me too. <laughs> busy, busy, terribly busy, and yet stuck. <laughs> Absolutely stuck. Not only did he feel stuck, but he felt the pressure. He was running in fear. I mean, he just saw all these miracles happen. He just killed thousands of Baal's prophets, and yet he was afraid of this woman Jezebel and her threat to take his life. He felt trapped. And how many of you know that when you feel trapped in life, no one's going to talk you out of that trap. You're not going to listen to reason. I mean, it was completely unreasonable how Elijah was feeling and how he was responding. I mean, he had God on his side. Jezebel couldn't touch him. But you couldn't convince him of that. He was fully convinced that his life was nearing its end, that he had to run and run and run. Sometimes what makes us stuck in life is right here, right between these two ears, right behind these two eyes. We see, but we don't truly perceive. We hear, but we don't truly understand. Our perception is just off. And we need a miracle of God to make a way through that muck and mire to the solid ground that God wants to set our feet on. So God wondered what Elijah was doing in such a place. You know, I mean, he literally asked that question. What are you doing here, Elijah? Why are you in this place? Why are you stuck? I mean, come on, look at what I just did for you. Do you not trust me with your life? And so the Lord said, you know, here's the solution. The Lord said in verse 11, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. And right there is the first part of the solution. If you're feeling stuck in life, get into the presence of God. Just cast off all that fear, worry, anxiety, doubts, you know, cast all those things off and just get yourself into the presence of God. Seek after him. Seek after the miracle worker. Not the work of miracles, but the miracle worker. It says this is what happened. So he did that. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart, shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord wasn't in that wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake. But the Lord wasn't in the earthquake. And after the earthquake came a fire. The Lord was not in the fire. Do you see these parallels between what he had just prophesied in Isaiah 42? And here we are, you know, before that, a living example of all these things happening. The wind, the rocks, the fire, you know, um, he had passed through the, the, the river Jordan. Passed through all those things. God made a way where there was no other way. And there he is standing there still in that safety of the presence of God. It says, and then after the fire came a gentle whisper. So you see back to the riding mower analogy, you've got all that noise and mud flinging and all those things happening. There's all kinds of things happening and yet there's no progress being made. We have all this noise of the wind and the earthquake and the fire. God wasn't in any of that. God was the gentle whisper. In verse 13, it says, when Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face. He went out and he stood at the mouth of the cave. And then the voice said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? 
You see, Elijah missed the point of why God asked him that in the first place. Elijah was being so dense. And, and guess how Elijah responds the second time when God asked him the same question after all these miraculous signs, wonders, and miracles. Guess how he responded? It says in verse 14, Elijah replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant. They've torn down your altars and they put your prophets to death with the sword. I'm the only one left. And now they're trying to kill me too. It's so rehearsed. He says the exact same thing. He's still missing it. He's still so dense. He's still not getting it. Even after the wind and earthquake and fire and the gentle whisper, he's still stuck. And he's not stuck physically alone. He's stuck physically because he's stuck mentally. He's not getting it. He's missing the purpose for why he was in that place and why God allowed those things to happen. So, so back to focusing on the busyness and repeating again all that he had accomplished. He's talking about all the things that he had done. He made it me, me, me. I did this and I did this and they did all these bad things to you. They're bad people and I'm doing what's right. Now they want to kill me too. You see the blame game happening. You see, when you're stuck in life, you got to own your stuckness. You can't go on blaming everyone around you thinking you're going to get unstuck that way. God didn't give it a second thought. He didn't even hear it. I mean, he heard what he said, but he didn't really listen to it because it was a lie. It was an absolute lie. And so in verse 15, the Lord responds to Elijah. Just go back. Go back the way you came. Now, this is the way maker, the miracle worker. And he says, go back the way you came and go to the desert of Damascus. When you get there... Anoint Hazel, king over Aram. Also anoint Jehu, son of Nimshai, king over Israel. And anoint Elisha, son of Shapat, from the Abel Moohai to, uh, to succeed you as prophet. Jehu will put to death any who escape the sword of Hazel, and Elisha will put to death any who escape the sword of Jehu. Yet I reserve 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bound to Baal and whose mouths have not kissed him. And, and so, man, like God just gives Elijah this massive reality smackdown. You know, he just, he just tells him how it is. I, there are 7,000 who have not bowed down to Baal who are faithful to me. You're not the only one left. And I called you to that place while you're running away from it. Go back the way I came, do what I called you to do, and everything's going to work out. He's going to take care of all those people that Elijah is against. And so God, the miraculous way maker, directed Elijah just to go back the way he came. And he may be doing that for you now. Maybe you're running away from your problems and you just need to go back and face them. You just need to go back and man or woman up and get the courage and strength that you need to make it right, to right your wrongs, and to get yourself back on the path that you're called to, that you're destined for. You see, it wasn't that Elijah had physically gotten off course. He went the right way, but he went for the wrong reason. He missed the purpose for why God had him on the path that he was on. Perhaps it isn't a new spouse or a new job or a new salary or a new house or anything that we need, you know, it's, it's not a major life decision that we need to change up to get unstuck. 
perhaps rather it's just our purpose and our perspective toward where we are at that needs to change, that will get us unstuck and start making that forward progress. Perhaps it's stepping away from the busyness and into the presence of God, where we heal, hear his still small voice and begin to understand what we've been missing all this time. This will take our eyes off of what feels to be overwhelming routine tasks that just come weighing down on us, and our eyes are fixed back on the mission for which God has placed you there. And you realize that it's not about that job and it's not about that assignment and it's not about that hard relationship. There's a bigger mission that you've been missing this whole time. It's not about you, it's about God. It is about the God the miracle worker and God the way maker. It wasn't about you after all. Only then will we find fulfillment in life and find ourselves unstuck. Elijah was trying to do things that were not his calling. He was trying to destroy everyone serving Baal. That wasn't what he was called to do. He was called to anoint other men to fulfill those purposes. It wasn't his job to do. You know, uh, God's way for Elijah was to go back and to get it right this time, to fulfill his purpose, to reach his destiny. It was to keep his eyes fixed on his purpose and on God's presence, and not on the problem. Perhaps this is also your key to getting unstuck. Perhaps the miracle that God desires to do in your life right now is to show you the way of his purpose. Perhaps God is not asking, why are you here? As if though you made a wrong decision or a wrong turn or a wrong decision in life. Perhaps God is asking, what are you doing here? Like he asked Elijah, what are you doing here? What is your purpose? What is your mission? What is your goal here? Because you're missing it. That is not why you're here. I have a bigger mission in mind for you. I have a greater purpose and a greater plan that is so much bigger than you and your life. But I want you to team up with me to fulfill it. Only then will you get unstuck. Only then will you be fulfilled in life. Perhaps God just wants to redefine your purpose for why you're on that path. And so may the God of miracles reveal his plans and purposes for you right where you're at. May he be your guide as you experience the miraculous hand of the way maker. And so right now, especially if you're feeling stuck in life, we're going to take a moment to pray together and to seek after the God of miracles, the way maker. And so Jesus, right now, Lord, we're feeling stuck in life. We're feeling the pressure weighing down on us. We feel like we have to do everything in our power, Lord, to just keep moving forward. And yet, Lord, we're finding that we're making no progress at all. And so, Lord, forgive us for trying to live our lives in our own strength. Forgive us for not seeking after you the way that we ought to. Right now, Jesus... We are seeking after you, the God of miracles and the way maker. God, we've seen where time and time again, you have worked miracles for your people, making a way where there was no other way. We've seen you split seas, part rivers. We've seen you bring water from rocks. We've seen you even raise the dead to life. Lord, we know there is nothing too hard for you. There is nothing too hard for you. And so Jesus, right now, I just give my life into your hands. My life is yours. God, every aspect of it, I pray you would just take it 
and that, Lord, you would fulfill your purposes through it. Lord, make a way for me right now to become unstuck. Show me your purpose for where I'm at in life. Show me your plans for how you want to use me, Lord, and, and, and what you want to do through my life and in my life. Jesus, right now, I'm desperate for you, the way maker, to make a way for me to get unstuck in life. And God, when you do, when you bring the revelation or when you make the way, or when you lead me to make that life decision, Lord, whatever it is that's going to bring me to a place of being unstuck, God, I will give you all the glory. I will give you all the praise. I will tell everyone how awesome you are, and I will boast about what you have done for me. Jesus, let my life be an example that points people to you, let the miracle that you work in my life result in the salvation of others. May you get all the glory and all the praise and all the honor, Lord. And thank you for your great love for me, for your faithfulness toward me, and for your grace that forgives all my sin. You are so good. I'm so thankful to have a relationship with you, the God of miracles. And I'm excited for what you're going to do in your name. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, again, thank you so much for joining us. Um, I'm looking forward to more testimonies of the God of miracles and the miracles that he does in your life. Again, please record yourself a short clip of something that God has done in the past, how he has worked a miracle in your life, because your testimony could be the faith giver and the breakthrough that other people need. And so let's just give God some glory, get those testimonies flowing, uh, especially as we just learned of how God has been a way maker in your life in the past. All right. Thank you so much. God bless. And we'll see you soon.